a few seconds away from switching to the redundant sense sequencer. T-minus 27 seconds. We have gone for redundant set sequencer start. T-minus 20 seconds and counting. T-minus 15, 14, 13. T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4. We've gone for main engine start. We have main engine I'm J.J. Jackson, and I'll be sitting in with the latest video music performances the way they were meant to be. Hi, I'm Nina Blackwood. I'm Mark Goodman, and I'll be here this time every weeknight with the latest concert information and music news. Now, starting right now, you'll never look at music the same way again. Welcome to Living in the 80s. This is Rob. I am very happy you joined me today. And... From the time I started this podcast back in February, the one topic that I could not... There's no way you can talk about the 80s without talking about this topic. I want my MTV. This week is the 39th anniversary of the launching of MTV, and I've got one of my very best friends I've had most of my life. Art Hughes is here with me. Hello, everybody. And uh, we are we're going to talk about the origin of MTV, origin of music videos, how it changed the landscape of music and 80s culture. So we've got a ton to unpack. How are you doing today? I'm great. Great. How are you? I'm doing great. Okay. So <laughs> I ask him that question. We Right now, we're recording this episode. It is uh, Tuesday night, and he got here at 6 o'clock. And as friends do, we're like catching up, listening to music like we have done since we were kids. It's now 8.49. So almost three hours later, we're getting around to recording the podcast. So we love doing this, but, you know, catching up with old friends, there's nothing like it. Doesn't happen too often. Not often enough, no, no. So um, first of all, before we get started, uh, thank you all for listening. It's always great to have you on here. We are now on uh, episode 24 of the podcast, so I'm you know really thrilled we made it this far. And I uh, just want to remind you to check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Anchor. Uh, be sure to uh, also listen to us on Star 107.9 on the internet and Roundtown Radio, who play our podcast for some reason. So thank you all for listening. Uh, if you get a chance, check us out at livinginthe80s.us and uh, our Facebook page, Living in the 80s. So all of those places you can find us, and it's a great community of people that just love the 80s. And we can't talk about the 80s without talking about MTV 
music television. Yes, you know, I, I would the eighties be the eighties without MTV? I don't think they would be. Huh? I think they would have skipped straight to just the nineties. Another decade. Yeah, just another ten year span yeah. of nothing. So, like, you think about the things that define the eighties. You think the um, the fashion, the music, the uh, the video games define the eighties. The movies, the television shows. And MTV, I think, gets its own category. Yeah. So um, we, this week we are you're going to hear some uh, '80s MTV promos. You're going to hear some um, talk about the VJs. We're going to unpack a lot of stuff here today. So it is going to be a blast to just just tackle this topic. So um, we are going to do that right after this. So the night of the big launch, we were going to have a big party out in Jersey. We had to get on a bus and go to Jersey. T-minus 20 seconds and counting. And we're downstairs in this basement. It was, it was perfect for MTV because we, we wanted to be like that sort of rebel group. And we were, man. They stuck us down in the basement. There's a million people and some you know, cheesy hors d'oeuvres. We were, the five of us certainly were just incredibly excited. We were just nervous. Five, four, we've gone for main engine start. At 12 o'clock, all of a sudden, doop, doop, doop. the rocket blasts off. And I swear, everybody was just like, uh, we have main engine start. Ladies and gentlemen, rock and roll. I remember how I felt, I mean, when I actually sort of teared up when the, when the rocket took off. Everybody was just holding each other and, and crying and just, here it was, because so many people had worked for so long for this unknown thing. It was finally, this baby was being born. I heard you on my wireless back in 52. Video killed the radio star. The first part of the song still gives me tingles. You know, it just drives me crazy. That was former VJs Mark Goodman, Alan Hunter, and Nina Blackwood. So to fully get a grasp on the importance of MTV and what it meant to our generation, um, I think it's important to talk about life before MTV. Mm. So you got to think about um, the, first of all, they played music videos around the clock. Uh, we'd have the VJs talking to us about stuff. But before all of that, um, like MTV did not c invent the music video. So we were talking about the Beatles earlier? Yeah, yeah, the Beatles was at uh, Hard Day's Night. Yep. Uh, they used that to promote that, that whole movie. Uh -huh. um, what was the song that? That all um, can't buy me love. Yeah, is um, the song you know they they put out they made a video for. for that. Yes. So yeah, I mean it goes all the way back to the sixties and I, and I believe even when well, the fifties like yeah, like 40s, uh, 50s, when, ever since there's been any type of recording. Mm -hmm. music, oh yeah, music videos have been around. Well, um, going back to the forties, I can't remember. Um, I got them on my playlist, but and there's videos I've looked back and found videos from the forties. Oh yeah. You see, like some some big band era music, mm -hmm. uh, Louis Armstrong. Mm -hmm. um, see old Miles Davis stuff. Um, uh, Nat King Cole had his own variety show and had musical guests on there. Yeah. So, I mean, music and television kind of 
grew up together. Well, the, the variety show, you know, Sonny and Cher, yes. Campbell. Oh, yeah. And it was all based around music. Johnny Cash had yeah. his own show, yeah. which I used to watch religiously every single week. Right. I, I remember Glenn Campbell because that came on right about the time I had to go to bed, and I was always upset when it was bedtime I get to watch Glenn Campbell. <laughs> Isn't it <laughs> funny that, like, the stuff we, we, we like, really liked back then? Like, yeah. The Glenn yeah. Campbell Happy Hour. I yeah. want to watch that. I've always been it a makes me happy. Fan, you know? Yeah. I like his music. Yeah. So, um, when you're talking about the music video, um, well, first of all, let's talk about music and television together before you talk about the videos. So, going back to the 50s, you've got American Bandstand. Dick Clark hosted that every week. It started out from Philadelphia, became a national show, and it used to be like every afternoon. When they became national, they went to every week. And I'll tell you what, Get on YouTube or something, just YouTube American Bandstand, seeing some of the performances from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and it's a who's who of, of performers. And later, later, later in the show, we'll talk about my, my thoughts on shows like American Bandstand. But um, Solid Gold, back in, it debuted in 1980. This is pre-MTV. Diane Warwick. Yeah, Diane yeah. Warwick and uh, Rex Smith. Madam, <laughs> the puppet. Yes, oh my yeah. goodness. Not not the greatest TV. I think it was but, Friday night. Was that a Friday night show? Uh, I remember, unless, again, it's a long time ago. My memory tells me it was Saturday afternoons. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't remember. I, I, it just seemed like it was a weekend. Yeah. Um, Don Kirshner's rock concert. Like, they'd have more rock band. People we would call like classic rock bands. You'd see like Boston or Journey or Aerosmith yeah. and people like that on there. Midnight Special. Was yes. it you were telling me you have every episode? Yeah, you know, uh, I remember, wow, man, it's been a few years now that uh, they advertised Midnight Special and I, I signed up for it and I have every episode. I mean, it's awesome sitting back and watching uh, some of these bands as brand new bands, you know, back in the 70s. Yeah. It's awesome. Here's a new band called the Commodores. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um, Actually, I remember some of them from watching them back then and seeing them now. I didn't realize what what the format was and what the show was. And once I mm-hmm. seen them on the Midnight Special, I'm like, well, I, I didn't know it was a Midnight Special back then. But yeah. I wow. I, I, when, when you look back at those days, one of the things that really strike me, because I'm always, I'm, I, I like observing things. I always like historical TV shows, particular, particularly about, pop culture mm-hmm. and so when I'm, I'm looking back at, at shows from the 70s I'm, I'm thinking okay how did they how were they exposed to people like they could I mean truly only hear them on the radio and then once a week you may have a show that's on for 60 or 90 minutes that'll have a few artists on there like that's how you like it wasn't just like you just get on YouTube and just look up stuff exactly yeah. you had to wait no one that I knew was rich enough to have a VCR in the 70s. Yeah. So you couldn't really record. It was like, either you catch it live or you're not going to catch exactly. it. And, and sadly, a lot of a lot of the like the American Bandstand stuff, um, they recorded over them over and over and over again on the same tape instead of thinking ahead of time, like, these could be very valuable and, and good historical yeah. you know, things for one day. So those are, those are things that... Uh, were 
have have made a tremendous um, uh, kind of setting the table for something like MTV eventually mm-hmm. one day. Uh, Soul Train. You know, of all the shows I remember, I remember Soul Train the most. Yeah. And I, I remember it was on usually in the afternoons on the weekends. Yeah, Saturday afternoons. Like American yeah. Bandstand and Soul Train would be kind of like be back to back. It seems like, like after like after Fat Albert would go off, you'd see like American Bandstand and then Soul Don Train. And yeah, man, yeah. that dude had like the smoothest yeah. voice. So, yeah, look up some Soul Train videos. Yeah. Like once in a while on the Living in the 80s Facebook page, I'll post like the song of the day or the hidden gem of the day. And I'll find like a, a Soul Train clip, and I always love that. Train. Hearing him enter, yeah, <laughs> Soul Train, yeah, I, yeah. I did. That's my singing voice, guys. Is that it? That's yeah. it. You heard it. <laughs> but I, you know, I, I think of everything I've watched. I've watched more Soul Train than anything. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I, mine's been between that and American Bandstand because there's a little bit of because depending on what I'm looking for, like I mm-hmm. might be looking for you know Lover Boy. Mm-hmm. And I'll type that, or I might be looking for Prince or something, and yeah, depending on whatever he was on. Mm-hmm. I remember there was an interview on American Bandstand with Prince. Did you ever see that one? No. So it's when he very first hit. So late seventies, probably. Uh, I think it, I think it was like nineteen eighty. So it? it was probably a month or two after his first album came out, and Dick Clark is trying his best to interview him, and Prince is giving him like one word answers. Like, uh, so how long have you been doing music? A while. It just leaves it. Yeah. <laughs> and and poor Dick Clark is just struggling, just trying to get through this interview. And Prince, you can tell he's kind of got, uh, Prince would like have that smirk on his face. He kind of like had that smirk going on, like messing with Dick Clark. So I'm sure when, when he got to heaven, Dick Clark probably said, remember that time? I've never forgiven you for that. So anyway, so that, that was, that was, that was great. But, um, yeah, you'll have to, (laughs) it's a good one. So with all of these different shows available, I remember, um, Night Flight was on USA Network, which is revived now. There's new versions of Night Flight now, but they would always have, it had interviews with, uh, artists. They played music videos, sometimes some of the more obscure videos. Mm -hmm. They would show like these B movies. I remember like Reefer Madness being on there oh, yeah. and things like that. So they would just play oddball stuff late at night. Nobody's watching but the kids mm-hmm. <laughs> and the art students. Like these are the people watching at night. So we got to see that kind of stuff. And um, I remember like local uh, places would maybe occasionally play a music video. So music videos themselves as a marketing tool. Um, started again. There's there's a lot of different ways. So we talked about like the Beatles and Hard Day's Night, and um, there were like the Rolling Stones would do them some. So you can look up some old Rolling Stones videos on YouTube, like real old, like honky tonk women, like them singing in a studio by themselves. So there are things like that. When music videos were first introduced, the the main reason uh, they were created was to um, spotlight an artist like this, uh, like say the Rolling Stones, for example, would make a video and they would play it before concerts. And what the music, the record studio started doing after a while, is they would make these videos of these lesser known artists to play before concerts to kind of promote these lesser artists. So say that you've got a, a band like 
journey that's up and coming and no one had really heard of them but you're going to a Santana concert and before the concert um, you're hearing um, you're seeing this video of Journey playing you know Wheel in the Sky or whatever mm -hmm. so that's kind of the tool they, they were using and um, that that was kind of uh, becoming the thing more and more um, record companies are making these videos and then eventually they started getting spilling over to television. So, um, do you remember the first music video you ever saw? Well, the first music video. I I don't remember the first, but I remember some memorable ones. Is uh, of course Olivia Newton-John. Yes. I remember, I remember, I can't remember the song. Physical? No, it was no. way before Physical. Okay. Um, and it might have been on Did the... Did I night. honestly love you? No. <laughs> it might have been on the Midnight Special. I remember I was over at Dave's house uh -huh. and I it in and, and she was performing because it wasn't a slow song. I remember she was dancing. But I remember that and I also remember um, seeing some early time videos. Uh, okay. More staying in time. Wow. But the first one, I, I, I can't really pinpoint... Now, I do remember my sister was a big Beatles fan, so mm -hmm. I didn't go as far back as you know, one of the Beatles songs. So, to me, the, the first, like, marketed music video that I ever recall was Air Supply, Lost in Love. Really? Yes. And here's, here's this is funny, because I remember watching... Um, like there used to be a countdown show called Casey's Top Ten. Do you remember mm -hmm. that? So Casey Kasem, his whole top forty format was basically shrunk down to a half hour, going top ten, where he would name, he reveal the number ten song, the number nine song. He'd play about three to four music videos throughout the show because mm -hmm. he only had a half hour, and um, so one of them was was Lost in Love, hmm. and I thought. Oh, okay. They're, my thinking is they're in Casey's studio singing this song. About a week later, I'm watching Solid Gold, and that exact same performance is there. And I went, oh, it was recorded. Oh, gotcha. No, I'll, I'll go back even further for that. Yeah. So I remember as a kid running back my mom and dad's car and music beyond, and I always thought the performers were in the studio. Okay. <laughs> at the time, playing the song for us just at that time. We're kids. Like, we yeah, don't know. Yeah. 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 I thought that's how it worked. That's funny. <laughs> so, um, as as time had gone on, these music videos start popping up on these, like, low, like Channel 10 here in Columbus had a music show hosted by Julie Ivory. And if any of you guys remember the name of that show, please let me know, because I can't remember it. Uh, she was a, a singer in a band called Snapshot here locally, but... But she had a music video show that she hosted. Can't remember the name of it. Yeah, I, I totally forgot her name until you brought it up. Yeah, so, yeah. gosh, who knows? Name, it's, it's left my mind. So if anybody out there knows, please let me know. I've Googled it. I've searched it. I've talked to friends that I thought, like Art, who knows tons about music, might know this. He didn't know either. So no. if you guys can figure that out, let me know. So these video shows such as you know, Solid Gold, um... Uh, I remember watching Fridays and seeing a Cars video. The first time I'd ever seen the Cars was the touch-and-go video that was on Fridays. Like, I'd heard of the Cars, had never seen them before, and at that point, that is where I figured out who the Cars were. Loved them, went out and bought the, the 45 the next day. 
But um, so these video shows are popping up. Music videos are becoming a thing. And when we get back, we're going to talk about the early roots of MTV. Hi, I'm Matt Frenette from Loverboy. And I'm Paul Dean from... Same, same band. Same band from Loverboy. And you're watching MTV. Music television, 24 hours a day. In stereo. Turn it on. Leave it on. I want my MTV. Right. All right. I want my MTV. I want my MTV. See new video music you can't see anywhere else. New interviews, new concerts, new guests. EJ? New specials. There's always something new on MTV, 24 hours a day on cable TV. Too much, Ed. Too much. It's never. Never. It's never enough. So at this point, with music videos uh, really starting to take off, becoming more visible on these TV shows, um, it, it became... A kind of a good idea, they thought, to maybe extend that more. Maybe create something more, like a, an entire channel. So, Art, do you uh, do you know whose idea it was to launch MTV? You know, I, I remember researching some of this, and I came up with some names, but no names, uh, no memorable names I could come up with. Okay. Call right off the so, I know you know this guy. Mike Nesmith. Mike Nesmith, monkeys. Yes, he was. He, was a he was a bass player with yeah. the monkeys. He's the one with the toboggan all the time. Mm -hmm. He always wore the toboggan. So uh, Mike, uh, he very wealthy guy. His aunt invented uh, whiteout, whiteout, liquid paper, whiteout air. Yes, and so made a fortune. He was the only heir to the fortune. Here only relative, so everything went to him, so he had all this money to play with. I think they actually kind of played a part with him never really getting back with... Oh, yeah, they did a reunion in 86, and he's like, oh, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> Too busy. Sorry, guys. But then now, he, him and Mickey Dolenz do stuff together. Yeah, well. So, anyway, <laughs> back to our story. Um, what he had, had done, he had created a show uh, that aired in L.A. called Pop Clips, and you guessed it, music videos, and because he, he did, you know, he he was uh, a very smart businessman as well on, in his own right, so he pitched the idea to Rob Tenenbaum, who was a um, executive at, what was the company? Viacom? What were we talking about? Uh, the other company. Um, oh, what was the other company we were talking about? It was Televac. Was yeah, that's it. That's it, Televac. So he, he proposed that, like, hey, let's make this a 24-hour a station. And this is completely uncharted territory. So they, they really struggled with trying to get the thing off the ground because, for one, they didn't want anybody to invest in it. The record companies did not see a value in it. Wow. Um, they... Uh, CBS Records, like, there were no early videos because CBS Records wanted to be paid to air their videos. Wow. And it, it took some convincing for some of the other record labels to jump on board. So that's why in the very beginning days of MTV, you saw a lot of obscure artists and stuff because they're like, oh, here's these trash videos you're going to have. You yeah, can play I know this. They only had a handful, what, 200? 50 some videos to start out with and that was cycled 24 hours a day. Exactly. So those you yeah. go through those pretty quick. You see yeah. the same old ones a lot. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. 
<laughs> so um, it was really hard to get the buy-in. They couldn't see the value. Like they had to convince them, like, hey, kind of like on the radio station, you give them your records, they play them, kids buy them. Same thing, but these are music videos. So it took a while to, to get that off off the off the ground. But you they wish it would have started a lot sooner. Oh, on the impact. Uh, I think so. Well, they're dumb. <laughs> so uh, even even back then, the cable operators were also not on board. So in my um, in my uh, research, I I found out uh, there were MTV almost had two other names. Mm-hmm. One of them was the Music Channel, because the same executive Fred uh, Siebert. Um, was like over uh, the movie channel, which was kind of like HBO and Cinemax back in the day. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, and so they wanted to call it the music channel, mm-hmm. and they, they didn't want to have such a close relation to that. So the next thing, it, it was almost almost called TV One. TV One. Which would be more make more sense now with MTV's current programming, because mm-hmm. there's no M and... MTV yeah, exactly. anymore, which we'll talk about later. <laughs> but um, yes, it is, especially for us. Uh, so they decided because they saw a logo hanging in somebody's office that was just kind of scribbling up the MTV on it and uh, music television, mm-hmm. and it stuck. So that was it. There we are. So they had a name. They had a concept. How was this going to be? So they decided that they were going to um, program it like a rock radio station. You know, they would play these rock bands, and you know they would they were thinking play a lot of Journey, a lot of Foreigner, a lot of Cheap Trick, and stuff like that. It's like a QFM on TV. Exactly, like your favorite classic rock station. But what had happened was they couldn't get these music videos, so they're having to play. Blotto and the split ends and um, uh, what? Well, the one I, I, no, if they played it, but I Ian Dury, Arthur Brown, Incredible <laughs> huh? World of Arthur Brown. Oh my fire. gosh, that was one of the songs that cycled through every day. Oh my goodness, and there was some rough stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, so with with a very small library to work with, they decided we're going to launch anyway, and we're going to play these videos and. They they were not in any of the major metropolitan cities. They weren't in L.A. They weren't in Chicago. They weren't in Detroit. They weren't in Houston. Anywhere. <laughs> they were nowhere. They were, they were usually in small towns um, like in Oklahoma and Kansas. And Columbus, Ohio <laughs> was here day one of MTV because I watched day one mm-hmm. of MTV. But um, there was very little. In fact, when they launched MTV, they had a, a watch party off-site. They had to go over to, to a small town in New Jersey to a bar. They had to you know, convince the bar owner to stay open. They would buy all these drinks and stuff if they could just watch this on their, on their hmm. cable system. So that's how they did it. So um, it was a... Uh, th- that's... Humble beginnings. Yeah, very humble. Yeah. And so, like I said, they, they had a hard time getting the cable companies to buy into to what this was, but that would soon change. 
the momentum uh-huh. would, would eventually change. It took about a year or so yeah, before it started picking about up. About a year. Yeah. Um, so the the one part uh, when they're talking about programming the station, they had uh, remember the original VJs. Yes, I do. Um, so they they were kind of like our friends, like. Like here, like we're seeing these music videos, we're seeing these people that that get us, you know. Yeah, like you got to know them. Yeah, e- either wanted to hang out with them or you wanted to date them. So, um, and and they 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 strategically had the VJs they did in place for a reason. Like they wanted um a like a bombshell vixen, so they got Nina Blackwood. They wanted a girl next door that was approachable, so they got Martha Quinn. Mm-hmm. There was originally another girl. Everybody loved Martha Quinn. I did. <laughs> there was originally another girl they had uh, instead of Martha Quinn that looked a lot like her. And, and I do apologize. I, I should have had her name here handy. I did have it at one time, but I, I lost that note. But they had her hired, and her husband said, you know, this is going to go nowhere. You know, you're trying to be a serious actress, and... This is not going to help your career. And she was never heard from again. <laughs> so, hmm, guess you should have done that one. Uh, they wanted a guy next door. That's where Alan Hunter was. They wanted a hunky Italian guy, Mark Goodman. And they wanted a black guy. That was J.J. Jackson. And in fact, J.J. Jackson is not who they thought it was. Uh, they thought they were getting a guy named, I believe it was like J.J. Johnson. But like a publicist or something got him with J.J. Jackson, and he met with them. They loved him. They hired him. But he isn't the guy they thought they were getting. And apparently, he J.J. Jackson had a lot of pull with uh, a lot of rock stars because he was a DJ, I believe, in L.A. And so he had a lot of rock stars. So he can call people up on the phone and say, "Hey, why don't you come to the MTV studios when you're in New York and do these other things?" So that's kind of how they did that. And over the course of time, the uh, the VJs became a lot bigger than most of the artists that yes, were being did. played. Yes, they did. So in, instead of like, you know, if you hear now like the DJs kissing up to the rock stars and in the studio doing an interview, it was the other way around. It's yeah. like I can sit and talk to Nina Blackwood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so these guys were kind of kind of excited. So what are your favorite? Uh, who is your favorite VJ? I'd probably say Martha Quinn. Mm-hmm. Um, she was more personable, friendly girl yeah. next door. Yeah, yeah. I and it wasn't the looks. I mean, I just I really liked her personality. I mean, she mm-hmm. was approachable. Um, one standoffish, and she wanted to love herself. Yeah, I didn't say the other ones were that way. Right, but she was just more. She seemed the, like the person in the crowd <laughs> that would most talk to you. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> just the way that she, you know, her a friendly person. Yeah, so. It, I know currently um, uh, Mark Goodman, Nina Blackwood, and Alan Hunter are all on Sirius XM on the 80s on 8. So I listen to them a lot. And I'm finding Nina Blackwood's voice is not yeah, very she's, good anymore. Yeah, she's not sounding that great. Yeah. Her voice is lower more. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. And you got a pretty low voice. Yeah. Um, but Mark Goodman and Alan Hunter, like Mark Goodman seems to know the most about music. Mm-hmm. Alan Hunter just seems like a guy you'd hang out with. So uh, that was, you know, that was th- those those beginning days. Well, Mark Goodman always did the MTV News, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like you knew it. He, he knew what he was talking mm-hmm. about. 
So I just, oh, it was, it was, those are fun times. Um, that was one of my favorite things about MTV. It kept you up, knowledgeable on what was coming up, who was coming up with songs, mm -hmm. what artist was doing what, and we never had that access before. You know, maybe in the mornings on the radio shows, they had talked about some of the local, or not local artists, but some of the artists. But MTV kept you updated. Everything was going on, even in the, the artist's personal lives. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you, you kind of figured out a lot about them. Yeah, so. you got to know them. But back to MTV starting out. Mm -hmm. Let's listen to the original VJs talking about the launch on day one of MTV. None of us had any idea. It wasn't going to come on in Manhattan. Uh, the cable system there didn't have it. So the night of the big launch, we were going to have a big party out in Jersey. We had to get on a bus and go to Jersey. T-minus 20 seconds and counting. And we're downstairs in this basement. It was it was perfect for MTV because we, we wanted to be like that sort of rebel group. And we were, man. They stuck us down in the basement. There's a million people and some, you know, cheesy hors d'oeuvres. We were, the five of us certainly, were just incredibly excited. We were just nervous. Five, four, we've gone for main engine start. At 12 o'clock, all of a sudden, boop, 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 the rocket blasts off. And I, I swear, everybody was just like, when I actually sort of teared up when the, when the rocket took off. Everybody was just holding each other and, and crying and just... Here it was, because so many people had worked for so long for this unknown thing. It was finally, this baby was being born. I heard you on the wireless back in 52. Video killed the radio star. The first part of the song still gives me tingles. You know, it just drives me crazy. We had mentioned earlier about uh, a lot of the videos were just not common household names. Like, they're getting the, the scrap heap, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So we all know Video Kill the Radio Star was the first song ever played on MTV. Yes. We know You Better Run was the second song. But the fifth song was by a band called PhD. Yeah, and I was going to ask you about that. Okay. That little Susie's on the up. Now yes. That, that was remade by somebody else. By right? Tesla. Yeah, I'm like, this is why I saw that. I'm like, I don't remember PhD. Yeah, well, I remember, it's funny, funny story about PhD. I They did another song called I Won't Let You Down, which was an MTV song. And I heard that, and I ordered that from Buzzard's Nest Record Store. Is that right? Uh-huh. It never came in. Like, I would check on it all the time. They'd say, well, right. it's still ordered. Never did come in. It's not like now I can just go download it. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, and that's what we were subjected to back then. Yeah. So here, here's some, some more bands, day one of MTV. Bands that probably most of you have never heard. Robin Lane and the Chartbusters. Split Ends, which, which I do. So if you know no Crowded House, basically half the guys there are from Split Ends. Um, I know you know April Wine, but mm -hmm. a lot of people might not. Was it you and me? Just between yeah. you and me, yes. Uh, Michael Johnson. Mm -hmm. Sort of a yacht rock kind of thing going on. Lee Rittenauer, a jazz musician. Uh, let's see here. Um, Rupert Hine. Um, let's see here. Jerry Rafferty, Baker Street. Now you would oh, not yeah. think of that as an MTV song. That's a great song. That is an I awesome song. Baker Street. Yes. So here's one for you. 
Tom Johnston sung a song called Savannah Nights. I don't think I've ever heard that song. No, I haven't either. A band called Rockestra. Rockestra. Carly Simon. Which which Carly Simon was it? Uh, Vengeance. Wow. I don't know that one. I don't one. know that one either. Uh, let's see here. Iron Maiden. We know them. Mm -hmm. Andrew Gold, thank you for being a friend. Also known as a theme for the Golden Girls. Yes. <laughs> So, as you can see, there are a lot of people on here on this first day. Rock Pile was one. Wow. <laughs> so, there are a lot of a lot of bands on here. And not uh, a lot to play with to start out with. No, not a lot. But they did have uh, Journey and Sticks and Aria Speedwagon. So, here's a fun fact. Michael Stanley Band, Cleveland's own. Mm -hmm. um, the Mark Goodman role... <clears throat> They originally wanted to give that to Kevin Cronin from Ario Speedwagon. Really? He turned him down. He's like, I'm a rock star. I play Kevin music Cronin. and you guys really can't afford me. <laughs> That's what he told him. So so if you see like some early MTV stuff, Ario Speedwagon's on there a lot and they've got the guys in the studio and stuff because he's you know, kind of friends of the producers. Matter of fact, they're the number nine song, Take It on the Run. That's a great song. Good guitar solo in that. Great song. So, um, from from those first days, very, very rough sledding, very Man. hard. And then uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about um, how MTV started picking up some momentum. So, stay tuned. It was uh, a time that I will never, ever forget. And um, part of what makes it great was not only was, was it a great thing for, for me to be Really, I felt like I was in the center of the universe. I really did. Um, I felt like um, ev everything, everything revolved around or was influenced by MTV. Um, it wasn't just music. It was music and television and film and advertising and fashion and pop culture. Uh, we changed the music business, we changed the touring business. I mean, everything, everything changed because this thing happened. That was original MTV VJ Mark Goodman. So, at this point of MTV's timeline, they are beginning to pick up some momentum. Uh, quickly, I'd say within the first six months or so, they started being added on to additional cable systems. Mm -hmm. And suddenly they went from the little engine that could to the little engine that is running the record industry, the music industry. And um, now these record labels were trying their best to get their music onto MTV. And what an influence they were. So check this out. Um, this is the top five songs on Billboard's Hot 100 list on August 1st, 1981, the day MTV launched. Number one was Jesse's Girl. They played that on MTV some, so that was kind yeah. of... None of the rest of the other five were. The One That You Love by Air Supply. Theme from The Greatest American Hero by Joey Scarberry. I Don't Need You by Kenny Rogers, and one of your all-time favorites, Art, Elvira by the Elvira. Oak Ridge Boys. <laughs> So that that's the top five songs. Like "Boy from New York City" by Manhattan Transfer was a oh, big wow. was a big hit. Um, 
There's No Getting Over Me by Ronnie Millsap, Endless Love by Diana Ross and Lionel Richie. Like, these were the big hits of the time. And no video comes to mind with any of those songs. None of them. None of them. So, the landscape changed tremendously when MTV started coming along. Because suddenly, these videos start becoming um, a part of our culture. Mm-hmm. Like, they started putting a lot more money into making them. They were getting serious Hollywood directors directing them. And people that would later become big Hollywood directors. Yes. So this was where things were trending. And so having said that, a lot of bands were actually being um, put together by record companies in order to... um, to create hits that would be videos and so forth. It's all the money. Yeah, they saw it. They're like, let's go to where that money is. And that's certainly what they did. So um, we're going to go through now like a few bands that kind of maybe owe their careers to MTV. And one of them I'm going to bring up here may be controversial. Hmm. Hmm. You have to wait and see. So the first one that comes to mind is Duran Duran. Duran Duran. Yeah, before MTV, like they had an album, but nobody in America heard of them. Well, even a step further, let's look at the um, Duran Duran. You got other bands, you know, Human League. And mm-hmm. They came. It's what the second British Invasion. That, mean, look, that's what they called it. Yeah, and these bands probably wouldn't have no notoriety if it wasn't for MTV. Nope. You know, and Billy Idol, he's in there with them. Uh huh. Because Generation X is who he's in. Who heard of Generation X? Nobody. And you probably never heard of Billy Idol until nope. MTV came out. That's right. So Duran Duran, um, one interesting thing happened because in the record industry, they analyze everything. They can tell you exactly what album sold, where it was sold at, what radio stations are playing it. And they were finding out that the, the number one album sold in Tulsa, Oklahoma, was Rio by Duran Duran. Really? Yes. And this is when, like, Duran Duran, or I'm sorry, MTV was still not in every major city. They're thinking, why in the world is this record selling so much here? And then they're finding out oh, it's being also, like in Topeka, Kansas, it's the number one selling album there. Like, what's going on? They're going... These places have MTV. So these kids out in the sticks, they're hearing these songs, buying these records. exposure. And so they're taking this information back to cable operators and going, you know what? We got this is what. So that is where the slogan, I want my MTV, came from. It was geared toward cable operators. And they were encouraging people. There were billboards in all of these major cities with pictures of people like uh, Billy Idol, or I'm sorry, not Billy Idol, like Mick Jagger, like Pete, Pete Townsend, Townsend yeah. uh, David Bowie. <clears throat> they're doing these commercials and these billboards for MTV. And they're doing them because an executive at MTV happened to know the, some of these agents. They're like, hey, help us here. What, what's it, what are you going to pay my artist? Nothing. We have no money to pay them, but we'll play your videos. Yeah. <laughs> and so... Uh, just because of, of just some 
lucky never... stuff here and there, they the the campaign was launched, and that actually that came, the, the guy that came up with the I One MTV is the same guy back in the fifties that had the campaign of I want my Mapo. Is that right? Exactly, same guy. Like it didn't take anything, so they kind of played off of that. And I want my MTV became a thing. So now suddenly, so I never knew that backstory. Yeah, I just heard that uh, probably a couple of years ago. Really? Yeah. yeah, I never knew that. Yeah. So um, now they are putting pressure on the cable operators to carry MTV and on their cable systems, and it worked. Because yeah. <laughs> the next thing you know, MTV is in every household in America. So you got bands like Duran Duran that are suddenly becoming household names, so to speak, yeah, superstars. And, and our local radio stations at that time wouldn't have played Duran. Our local radio stations at that time wouldn't have played Duran Duran. Um, you see QFM playing Duran Duran? No. You know, local rock station? <laughs> nope. You know, I mean, of course they play Billy Idol, but they wouldn't play Human League. You know? No. They wouldn't so, yeah. play. They wouldn't play Men at Work. No, no. So, <laughs> so yeah, so they're getting that exposure. Yeah, so bands like Men at Work, they owe their career to MTV. A lot of people owe their yeah. career to MTV, and which which is kind of good and kind of bad. Going like going back to Duran Duran, who's like one of my favorite '80s bands, even still today. Yeah. Like like after the '80s, I didn't really care for them as much, but but like during that, there's a period there that they were one of my favorites. But yeah, I, same thing. I love Duran Duran. I love their videos. Yeah. But their their music was really, really good, and I think a lot of, like, they're not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame today, because a lot of those writers see them as, like, an MTV band. Like, not a ton of substance. No. But the reality is, some of the music they're making is a lot more advanced, a lot more intricate, uh, a lot more detailed than a lot of people that they say are great musicians. Yeah. You mean to tell me Neil Young's a better musician than... Uh, John Taylor, no. not a chance. <laughs> but because the hippies loved him, he's in the Rock and Roll Hall yeah. of Fame. Which I don't care what you say. Neil Young is a hack. <laughs> yeah, he has about three yeah. songs I can tolerate. He's just an old yeah, bitter hippie. We were discussing him earlier. <laughs> That's right. He does have a couple songs, but I mean, other than that, everything's the same. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't really have a lot of respect for him or his music. He just but even a step further there. The exposure of some of these bands were limited to just MTV. I mean, how often did you hear Adam and Ants on any other radio station? It's rare. Not a lot. You might hear a song maybe break the top ten, but otherwise you didn't hear the rest of his music. Yeah, you might you may hear I remember Goody Two Shoes became a top ten hit. And but that's strip after, was a hit. That's after it's after MTV. Yeah. But like in his peak outside of England, no. nobody had Block heard him. Balls. Yeah, yeah, there's another band. Like, would they have had any airplay if it wasn't for MTV? No, no. Cindy Lauper. Yeah. Now she had "Girls Just Want to Have Fun," which was a, a big hit, but that's partially because of MTV that she sustained her career beyond that. Yeah. Like, here's the visual of this quirky girl with multicolored hair dancing around. Uh, in everyone's living room, and so the the teeny bopper girls are loving it. Madonna, she owes her career to MTV. She really does. Like, she really I mean, does. when you think about when she came out, you've got other people like um, Stacy Q and Tina Marie, 
and well, you got some of these Debbie other girls, Gibson Debbie Gibson and Tiffany, and yeah. like all of the, these girl molded singers. After Madonna. They molded after yeah. Madonna, but like Madonna came out at a time when she didn't sell any different than anybody else. No. But that image was on there. Yes. The Like a Virgin, her slithering around the boat, the Dress You Up videos. Like these videos kind of put her out there, and she's front and center, where some of these other artists. Um, well, and look at the, the fashion she created. Oh you know, my the, goodness! The underwear on the outside, the clothing, the the gloves, the scarves. You, um, Pat Benatar with her uh, bandana wrapped around yeah. her head. Would that have been there without the videos? No, no, they wouldn't have. Because like I, I knew who Pat Benatar was, and I knew what she looked like. But when MTV came out, every girl dressed like her. Yes, they did. <laughs> and in some way, they're using some ripoff of her fashion. Same thing with Madonna, like. You couldn't go to a shopping mall and and not see a girl dressed like Madonna. No, so that's I mean the clothing. MTV played a big part of fashion, hairstyles, makeup. Yeah. Yep. That's just uh, you know the padded shoulders. Yeah, it's wouldn't have been as popular. If it yeah, on a lot of the fashions you see, like from these 80, 80s movies and stuff, came straight from some of the rock stars and the the musical performers from MTV yeah. and the VJs because like they're Oh, they they're starting to dress them yeah. up too, like yeah, they did. like everybody's wearing Alan Hunter's suspenders all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, and you know David Bowie. I mean, look, he. I mean, he kind of molded fashion more. He got on the exposure on TV. Oh yeah, he wore more of the suits, the padded shoulders, the big jackets. Oh yeah, and you see yeah. dudes all over the place kind of get that yeah. David Bowie look. Yeah. Like like guys are going to work dressed like David yes. Bowie in the eighties. Yeah, they were. So it was. I mean, those. I mean, those were. People were heavily influenced. And you don't see that now. No. So you don't. You it really is. Don't. Uh, so here, here's my controversial take. Are you ready for this one? Okay. This artist became a superstar in another realm because of MTV. Because of MTV. Michael Jackson. Oh, okay. You think, what? what you he had the Jackson 5, he did Off the Wall, he did the stuff, he was good. Because of MTV, it catapulted him to superstardom. I mean, like, you know, the oh, most yeah. popular singer in the world. I don't feel that if, if MTV didn't exist, and they're just playing his songs on the radio, I don't think that that Thriller album would have gone any higher than Off the Wall did. No, I mean, I, agree. I mean, it I would agree. have been a hit. I mean, it, and I'll be the first to admit that's a great album. It is. The videos are brilliant. What was the first one? Beat it or Billy Jean? Billy Jean was the Billie first. Jean. Beat it was the second, and then I think Thriller. Thriller. Yeah. yeah. So I remember running in the house every time that video came on. Like, what? Like, yeah, which was on every hour on yeah. the hour. So yeah. the whole fifteen-minute version was it? John was Carpenter awesome. that I think it was. did that. Or John Landis. No, it was John Landis. Yeah, John Landis did that. So, I, you know, say what you want, Michael Jackson, musical genius, prodigy, whatever, whatever. If it wasn't for MTV, he wouldn't be where he was. But at the same time, because of Michael Jackson, MTV got a little more credibility as well. Yep. And then, going back on the fashion, the jacket, the Michael Jackson jacket. The glove. Everybody had that jacket. Yes, they did. I did. jacket. I didn't because I couldn't find one to fit. <laughs> I, I didn't because everybody else was wearing it. Oh, yeah. I had my members only jackets though. I wore those. I rocked those pretty hard. 
That was more the Rick Springfield look, Rick Springfield. the members only look. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, I I think well, which which goes back to how MTV started shifting its audience a bit because you know when we started off, we're seeing more of this these quirky British videos. Mm-hmm. And then they evolved into like some of the you know some of the the rock videos, mm-hmm. and then the next thing you know, uh, we're starting to get a little more on the poppy side, and then uh, there's a big, big blow up. Epic Records was mad because they wouldn't play Michael Jackson's videos on MTV because they it was just a uh, I, it wasn't. Uh, people may want to say MTV was being racist. No, they they just had a format like a radio just station, more towards rock. Yeah, rock. like yeah, because yeah. like they played Musical Youth on there, and Eddie Grant was on there. He had a hit with Electric Avenue, Fun Boy Three, The Specials. I mean, they were they were black artists on mm-hmm. there, but but there wasn't necessarily that that soul R and B music, mm-hmm. which uh, you know. Those of us that grew up in that area, era, that's one more type of music we just listened to. Yeah. But we didn't expect MTV to really play, you know, that kind of stuff. We just expected them to play, you know, just the new wave rock kind of music. So then, Billy Jean starts being played, which opened the door for Prince and Janet Jackson and yeah. bands like Run DMC were starting to get played, and so it, it evolved to a whole other audience. So now versus this niche audience, these kids in Oklahoma, Kansas, and Ohio to these kids like in New York, LA, Chicago, to kids all over the country hearing about any kind of music that was popular at the time, except for, you know, country. They weren't really playing any country on there. Well and you think about it, you know, a lot of these kids maybe in some of these smaller areas were only exposed to a certain type of music, which M T V brought them. Oh yeah, there's different different types of musical culture. Yes. So wasn't uh, was it Rick James was a big advocate? Wasn't it? The, the oh yeah, yeah. He really pushed hard, but never really got anywhere. No, he didn't. But um, um, I think they did end up playing Super Freak some. Like it was long after it was no longer a hit, but yeah. like he was already he'd already kind of fallen out of the limelight. He kind of snorted up all of his money, and you know the than what Rick James does. But, you know, he did have a hit with Party All the Time. Mm-hmm. It was an Eddie, Mun- Eddie Murphy, not Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy song, but Rick James was all over that thing. It's kind of like like Prince has these people that he produced. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's called The Time, but I hear a lot of Prince in there. <laughs> so kind of the same thing. But, but you, know, you look at some of these bands, too, that, that were big in the 70s, but, you know, kind of falling off. It, MTV kind of brought them back, or maybe nudged them along it was easy time oh yeah Journey, yes you know um would they be who they were without mtv i i'm sure they wouldn't be i mean zz top in particular uh, there's a book called uh, i want my mtv the uncensored history of mtv i strongly suggest you read that if you want if you're really interested in the whole history of mtv and so forth a lot of my uh sources i got for this podcast are from reading that book but they they spend a whole chapter talking about how Billy Gibbons of ZZ Top had first seen MTV. He was uh, in Texas or someplace, and it was on a, the local cable channel. And he said he couldn't go to bed because he wanted to see what video was next. He would keep watching and keep watching and keep watching. And so uh, finally, he decided like ZZ Top should make music videos. Now here's these three middle aged 
guys with beards do not really fit the, you know, the the British mama's boy look. Uh, they didn't have a, an urban look at all. They just, I mean, these are like these Texas Hill Jacks out there. Like, what are you going to do with this? So the producer, um, Billy Gibbons and saw the video to I Love L.A. by by uh, Randy Newman. Yeah. It was Randy Newman's cousin or nephew or somebody that did the video. So uh, ZZ Top actually reached out to him said, hey, we want you to do some videos for us. So he is the one that actually created the image, um, the car, the yeah. girls, the, the key Ford. ring. Yeah. Yes, the... The, the the kid the you know the girl getting together like that was his concept so they strung those three videos together um, sharp dress man legs and what was the third one uh, give me all your loving yeah so you think back at MTV at that time and that's what you remember yes yeah. ZZ Top yeah. and what how many albums they have out prior to MTV like seven eight, yeah and nothing all of a sudden yeah Eliminators out it's on MTV. Boom. Yeah. They're big hit again. Before that, like, I mean, and seriously, you couldn't have found them on the radio unless you're listening to the, the rock stations. Yeah. And then you may hear, you know, like Cheap Sunglasses or Tube Steak Boogie or something mm -hmm. like that. Like, you're not hearing a lot of ZZ Top. Now, suddenly, this band is everywhere. Yeah, they're like, they're on MTV. Everyone loves the videos. People start dressing like the girls yeah. in the videos. Yeah. So, they, like, they transcended. So, you got a band like that. Versus a band like, oh, Aerosmith, mm -hmm. who refused. And then the next well, thing you Aerosmith know... struggled, too. Yeah, they, well, they struggled with drugs yeah. and stuff a lot, too. And they're putting albums out, and no one was listening to them. So then they finally do that video with Run DMC. Mm -hmm. They Walk covered this Walk This Way. And suddenly people are like, okay, that's cool. These guys are nice. So then they started in, enlisting video producers. And then they're starting to come out with Love in an Elevator and Ragdoll and Crazy and all these other songs. And now Aerosmith is suddenly cool because of MTV. Yes. Like, without MTV, people aren't hearing these songs, maybe on the rock stations, and that's it. Yeah, you but you've got some people like Christopher Cross and Joe Jackson, you yeah. mentioned, like, did not Donald get on Fagan board. And oh, yeah. Like, kinda... these guys would not... Yeah, sure. Awesome artist. Very they are. Talented. Very talented. Well, I saw uh, an interview with Joe Jackson, and he was talking about how he said it was his own doing and detriment that he was not, you know, on MTV and stuff. Like, he did a couple videos, but, you know, he refused mm -hmm. to, you know, become a video artist. He thought he was much too serious for that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, like, you know yeah. what? Serious or not, man, you got to get your music out there some way. And this was a great way to do it. <laughs> yeah, well, dire Straits, um, Roller Girl. I mean, that was kind of mid-level video. Which yeah, was all that Salt and the Swing, kind of the yeah. same way. But then all of a sudden, they come out with a song named for MTV. I yes, MTV. which, hold on one second. We're going to get right back after this brief timeout. And we're going to talk about our, the most memorable songs that we can think of, videos on MTV. MTV proudly presents the summer tour of 1983, The Police. 
when the police hit the stage across America, MTV will be there at every show. We'll give you information on tickets, tour dates, backstage interviews, opening bands, and more. It's the summer of 83, and MTV presents The Police. MTV invented music television. Now MTV reinvents music television. Introducing exclusive MTV sneak preview videos. New videos from today's top artists. New videos you can only see, only get, only watch on MTV. See them every hour, on the hour. I want my MTV. All night long. So this next segment, we wanted to go into some of the videos that we thought are just like mile markers in MTV, like things that, that you know, helped like create that culture. Well, the first one's got to be Video Killed the Radio Star, yeah. the very first video played on MTV. And I wonder why they picked that one, just because of what the title, I mean, what it represented. Yes, that's exactly why they picked it. Um, which, going back a little bit, which I failed to mention earlier, uh, back before, one of the things that helped shape MTV, um, there was a show that was broadcast in Columbus, Ohio, called Sight on Sound. Uh, it was part of an interactive cable channel um, on, on Cube, which is the cable system owned by Warner Cable. And what they were doing, like you vote on videos, and they found viewership was up so much on that show that that was actually a test market for MTV, but nobody knew it. Like when they, when they were deciding to do this, this is like nineteen seventy seven, wasn't it? Uh, it started in seventy seven. It rolled up till about eighty. Mm-hmm. So they started. It was about seventy nine to eighty when they started really studying. Like let's. If we did a music channel, what would it be like? But so I remember seeing Video Kill the Radio Star on that show. Is that right? Yeah. Really? So it was like uh, 1980. So it was probably six months or so before wow. MTV. So yeah, I saw it back then. So very influential video. I mean, just the images and stuff. It's kind of kicked off like uh, the concept video versus just the guys performing. So that's one of them. What's what's one of them that you remember? Uh, some of the memorable videos. Yeah. I mean, there's some of my favorites. I, I love the Duran Duran. Uh, like oh, we yeah. We touched on Duran Duran, uh, not to beat a dead horse. But, I mean, I remember the Reflex when it came out. And mm-hmm. I don't know why. I've watched it recently, and I don't know why I liked it so much. Uh-huh. That was one, one of the most memorable ones. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so, when they did Rio and Hungry Like the Wolf, yeah. those were, like, in these tropical jungles yeah. and stuff. You're thinking, like, like these are these look like movie productions. Yeah. You didn't use like music that videos. We used to. Yeah. Um, Come a long way from air supply singing "Lost in Love" in a movie in a yeah. studio. Yeah, like some of the Tears for Fears stuff, the early uh-huh. stuff. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I talked about the Flock of Seagulls and Adam Ant. A lot of that, I, I really, I, yeah. I like those videos, and I those are the ones I remember the most. The colors and the images, and and like you, like Adam Ant's style, yeah. like like you would see, like you know, pictures and things from, from kids in England were dressing like Adam yeah. Ant. Um, which, you know, the whole pirate get up in the face paint and the war yeah, paint. I always thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, I did yeah. too. I wouldn't dress like that, but no. I'm like, oh, that's kind of well, cool. You know, Adam you know, Ant seemed like a cool dude. The right venue I might have. <laughs> you you pro- I might honestly, have. I, I've known this man for over 40 years, and he might have. I he might he have. really might have. Yeah. Yeah. Back in the day, you know, I had earrings and stupid stuff. So. <laughs> Not that earrings are stupid stuff. No, but, yeah. 
But yeah. but today I, I he doesn't. I couldn't pull it off today, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, there's some great videos. And I, Sledgehammer. About, yes. Oh, my goodness. That's, I think that was, was one of the, what is it, the top played video ever, I think, is Sledgehammer. Is it really? Yeah. What, more than Thriller? Yes. I think it's been played more than any other video. Wow. I, I could be wrong. You look it up, but I think it's one of the most played videos ever. So, Thriller. Thriller. Speaking of which, yeah, yeah. I said that, earlier, I used to run in the house when it came on. <laughs> yes, um, that was uh, when that thing came out. That was like that was an event. Yes. MTV promoted it like everybody watched this yeah. video. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're nodding, going, "Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about." So that Thriller dance, like. Like if you go to like the the skating rinks, they're doing the synchronized thriller dance. Yeah, it's, it's like a line dance, zombie line dance. That was awesome. I mean, yeah. everybody did it. Yeah. But you think you know the influence MTV had on the dancing of what people did at dance mm-hmm. clubs. You had those. Uh, you had that video. You had Michael Jackson doing that, doing that. Um, Smooth Criminal, how he danced in that. That whole lean thing yeah. going on. Yeah. Janet Jackson. Um, I mean. Prince was doing some dance dance stuff then. Like it's while he's playing his instruments, but but you saw like other artists starting to like emulate that kind of dancing yes. style. Well, the moonwalk. Yeah. 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 People so were then you got um Salt and Pepper, they did their dance thing and it, it got into all the, the hip hop and the dancing that with that break dancing. I oh mean, yeah. Well, I mean, think about m- movies like Footloose, like all those dance sequences in there. That they kind of like those, they turned out that stuff into music videos, and kids are dancing that style because of what they're seeing there. And, and it went as far as you know, the music had such an influence on people through MTV that that these producers realized the impact the music had. They put start putting them into movies and TV yes. shows, right? And because they, they realized, hey, you know, we got something good here, and we bank on it, and they, and even now. I mean, yep. look, Guardians of the Galaxy. They're, they're playing songs that you never heard of back from the 70s. And yeah. Now it, People are going back and listening to and, them. And that's what, one of the top-selling CDs a couple years ago. <laughs> yes. And it's a bunch of old 70s songs. Yep. It's like, hey, you throw, <clears throat> throw good music out there, people listen to it. Which says a lot about music today, if some old crap from the 70s is I, selling. I love that old crap from the 70s. Well, I do, too. I do, too. But, but the, I say old crap as in... Like kids just see yeah. this as old garbage, but then they hear it and go, "Crap, maybe mom and dad know what they're talking about." Yeah, I mean, how many people that were in some of these videos were nobody got famous? Mm-hmm. Um, that girl was in the thriller video. Was it Ola? Was it? Yeah, Ola. Um, Ola Ray. Ola Ray. Yes. Um, look, I mean, she appeared in Playboy after soon after that. Mm-hmm. She became I don't know where she is now, but she. Pretty famous after that. She's video. probably still running for Michael Jackson. <laughs> I'm guessing because he was kind of freaky in that video. But uh, well, we, you talked about money for nothing being such a. For one, it boosted Dire Straits' career, mm-hmm. but that became one of the most iconic videos. I mean, that the tie to that and MTV. MTV's mentioned in the song, like the phrase "I want oh, my MTV." Right, that's right at the beginning. I want my MTV, and that's Sting, our yeah. guy. <laughs> so, yeah, there, there's so many, so many of those videos that were out back then that still stay with us today. Like when you hear a song now, you immediately flash to that video. Exactly. And so, on the Facebook page, I am I post 
um, the song of the day and the hidden gem of the day um, all the time. And I've seen these old music videos that that I remember or some that I may have forgotten all about. Or I'll look up a song, find the video, and it all comes rushing back. Mm-hmm. So there's such a tie to our generation seeing music videos and hearing these songs. I was just thinking that, you know, Billy Idol dancing with myself. I just see him on the rooftop dancing, swaying his arms, and hitting the electric, you know, the yeah. electric. And doing that and, thing with his fist. Yeah. And like, grab your heart, pull it out. Grab your heart, pull it out. So. And, and that also reminds me of um, Just a Gigolo by Dave Lee Roth when he had, they mock Billy Idol in that video. Yes. Right? I wonder how Billy Idol felt about that. Oh, he probably laughed at it. He probably thought, he probably thought it was kind of cool that Dave Lee Roth was mentioned, you know, championing him in a song. So that was kind of cool. So that's, um, you know, that kind of sums up. Do you have anything else to cover here? Because I mean, we've kind of done our due diligence as far as you know the influence of MTV, how it started. We've got the music videos covered. Um, there's not the, the downfall of MTV. Came. Well, you know, it, I, I don't think we discussed. I mean, there were some bad videos. Oh, there's a ton know, of them. Bad videos, and I. I I don't know. I have to say, probably one of the worst ones. I I think we talked about it before. Dancing in the street. Uh huh. Mick Jagger and David Bowie. It was I awful. Just, I don't know who thought of that video, who produced that video, came up with the idea. It's just horrible. Oh yes. And and what was the, the Jackson's victory video? Um, I hated that song. All right. Oh my gosh, that thing would come on. It would go through me like bad meat through an old lady. Like I'm just I'm just like. What am I watching? It was just so over the top, and oh my gosh, I, I just, I, I couldn't, I just couldn't. Well, it's, and, and there, I mean, there's some, there were some weird videos that came out, like total clips of the heart, the little kids with the glowy the eyes, zombie looking like, kids, like, like what the, you know, what's the meaning of this? And, yeah, and there's some of them that were totally off the wall. I like Walla Voodoo, uh-huh. Mexican radio. When, is, just when Stan Ridgeway's really face comes up through those beans. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, Flock of Seagulls is another one. Yeah. I ran, like, that, That I mean, they came out, they looked weird, but then by the next one, the Space Age Love Song, mm-hmm. his hair is suddenly crafted like a seagull's yeah. beak. I'm like, that's weird. And then you see people starting oh, to yeah. have that hairstyle. Yeah. I'm like, how is that even, a, it's so weird, like, but dudes were wearing well, it, and, and girls. I, had, I wore earrings in the early 80s, and I guarantee I probably wouldn't have worn an earring if I didn't see it on MTV. <laughs> and I, I wasn't allowed. Wasn't allowed. My, well, my mom would have killed me. I don't think I really asked permission. I just did. Yeah. Well, you, you had the mullet going on, so you could <laughs> swing the edges over the ears so nobody could see. <laughs> yeah. Which the mullet, I mean, it owes its existence to MTV. Yeah. I mean, so like Joe Elliott from Def oh, Leppard, yeah. Rick Springfield had the mullet. David Bowie was yeah. mulleted pretty well there for a while. Well, you uh, too. You two, Bono. Bono had one of the most mm-hmm. supreme mullets ever. Like when you see Live Aid and that mullet he was rocking that day, like that defies all logic. Yeah. So that's nuts, yeah. man. So a lot of a lot of the hairstyles, Madonna's hairstyles. Well, yeah, I went through the sting phase. Remember that? I had my hair spiked. Upped. I yeah. did too. I had yeah. that. Yeah. I kind of had the Mark Goodman perm there. David said I look more like a chicken than sting. <laughs> So then you flattened your hair back. <laughs> Forget you, man. I'm going to run over you with my bike. Oh, wait, you're the one that got yeah, ran over with the bike. <laughs> so, fun story here. Uh, well, I got art here. So, tell us a story about you getting ran over by David's bike. Oh, I, I can tell you how old we were. 
it was over David's house. He lived across the street, and it was fall time. And um, we're out front playing in his front yard, a lot of leaves out there. And I thought it'd be cool. David rode his bike down the street that I buried myself in some leaves. And so I had his sisters, Christy and Suzette, bury me in some leaves. Like, hey, I'm going to pick up. You're going to scare him? Yeah. So unbeknownst to me, David came back. Thought it'd be cool to ride through the pile of leaves. Next thing you know, I got tire tracks across my torso. And David <laughs> ran over me, so... Yeah. I wasn't there, but like I've heard that story so many times, I feel like I no, was yeah. there. So there, there's a lot of stories we've got between each other, but there's also some stories that happen like when one of us wasn't involved, and we've told the story so many times we feel it's like, like there, we were yeah. there. Yeah, so yeah. that's funny. But um, back to MTV. So about 1986 or so, MTV started, uh, they, they had a show that came out called Remote Control. It was a game show. Ken Ober hosted it. It's where Adam Sandler and, um, uh, what's his name? Um, I can't remember his name. Anyhow, uh, Colin something or other that used to be on um, Saturday Night Live and stuff. Uh, and we'll come back to him. Art's looking him up right now. Um, they got their start on there. It was very funny. Kind of irreverent. Um, just a uh, fun show. So they started getting away from videos and music shows and concerts and, and like would show like this like every day. And so um, they would, um, uh, they evolved that into Yo! MTV Raps in 120 Minutes, more niche programming, which eventually evolved into um, a lot of reality shows like Jersey Shore and... Um, some of those kind of things. Colin Quinn's the guy's name. Yeah, thanks, Art. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so a lot of the, these reality shows started kicking in. And today, MTV does not even resemble itself. No. They, they dropped the music television part of it a couple years ago, which is kind of sad. I mean, you can see videos on uh, MTV Classic, um, but like not many cable operators have that. I, there's a show that's on that's a flashback to the age. I can't remember, remember the name of it. I, I've recorded it a couple times, but it is so grainy. It's terrible, and it's not even worth watching. What is it? It's oh, it's it's one of the MTV channels, mm -hmm. uh, but the videos are so horrible. It's like, it's just terrible grainy. It's, oh. The quality's just bad. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, it's, yeah, I, I don't like that. <laughs> Got a lot of interest in it. And plus, they start... Cycling the same songs all the time. Yeah, so it, it makes it hard to watch. But, uh, I, yeah, I, I, I miss the days of sitting there and watching music videos and wondering what was going to come next. Um, it's, it's you know, for me, uh, I, I, long, I long for all those days anyway, but when it comes to MTV, that held a special place in my heart. And, and, you know, thinking back, it was more we talk about it in the impact of MTV actually had on the 80s mm -hmm. i mean 80s wouldn't be what the 80s were without mtv no they no, wouldn't really. be they would and and it's funny because this being the year of the 39th anniversary i am pretty certain and i hope that uh they make a huge deal out of mtv's 40th anniversary next year and i'm hoping like they have the old vjs out and maybe they have like a, a huge uh, event with something like, you know, I'd love to see Duran Duran come out and play Madonna, come and do a song. Maybe Dire Straits and Sting come out and do Money for Nothing. Like, 
I want to see that kind of an event. Um, I hope they don't blow it. <laughs> I have a feeling they might. But you, you know, think back then there was a hunger with these artists. You know, oh yeah, they, they wanted themselves out there. Their egos. Now they're beyond that. You know. And yeah. But I, I, I think for that night, well, kind of think about like a couple of years ago, Saturday Night Live had its 40th anniversary show, mm -hmm. and every cast member, just about every cast member, came back for that. Even Eddie Murphy who had separated himself so much from the show for many, many years, came back for that one night. So I'm hoping that MTV does it right, does something right. Yeah. And hopefully that will kick off more of an of a nostalgia train. Uh, like, you're hearing this, you tuned into this, maybe because you always hear the podcast. Maybe you did a search on... Uh, MTV and you found this podcast I don't know how you got here and you're hearing a couple guys talking about memories and things and and hopefully there's something next year that makes it really worthwhile and, you know it was something for our generation to hold on to and, and uh, there's not a lot of that out anymore no there's not there's and, and we talked earlier about like a solid gold and um, uh, American Bandstand and Soul Train how cool would it be for kids today to have their own Soul Train, American yeah. Bandstand type songs where the, the artists come out and they're singing their songs and they're Something doing two or three minute with, interviews. You know, yeah, and, like now you see like The Voice and American Idol and The Masked Singer. Yeah. Like these are people trying to be discovered. What about those people that are already stars or... Yeah. Or climbing their way up, and people are kind of knowing who they are a little bit. Like those are the those are the kind of shows I think that would really work well in today's environment, because like anybody can get on YouTube and look up stuff, or you know get on the internet and find and search and do whatever. But to have an event where you know that name your favorite singer is going to be on this night, and they're say that it's you know Taylor Swift, you know she's going to be on this show on this night. And, and say it's a 90-minute a show and she's on minute 75, yeah. you've got the other 74 minutes before her to see some other new artists, some people maybe you've heard a song or two on the radio. Say, those are the things that people don't have these days. Yeah. And bring back the VJs. And then then you get these artists, like you said, Taylor Swift, the guest VJ. She plays her favorite songs. Yeah. And you get to know them. You remember yeah. the guest VJs on MTV? Like Duran Duran yeah. or Hall & Oates oh, yeah. or somebody. Madonna would be yeah, a guest. Billy Idol. Yeah. That's the good stuff, man. See, we know what's up. We yeah. remember when, when MTV stood for music television yeah, and it was cool. good. That's right. It was. So I think we're out of time. Yeah, we're getting there. Yeah. So, guys, if you've hung out the whole time, I appreciate it. Um, hopefully, you just heard a couple old friends talking about MTV. And maybe makes you want to go look for some videos and uh, long for those days back when uh, the, the world premiere video was a thing. So uh, thanks for hanging in there. Uh, we will see you next week where my special guests will be Matt Moore and Joel McLaughlin. And we're going to talk about our favorite 80s video games. So sit back and enjoy that one. Till then, you guys have a great week. Peace. People really win on MTV Music Television.
This has been a service of MTV Music Television.